Welcome to a podcast of a sermon delivered at the Unitarian Society of Ridgewood in New Jersey. Our congregation is a place where you will find inspiration in the richness of diverse beliefs and the power of community. Detailed information about the Unitarian Society of Ridgewood is available on our website, uuridgewood.org. You may have heard it said that Unitarian Universalism is a covenantal religion. In fact, it's pretty likely you've heard me say it. Any of us with religious backgrounds that use the Bible as scripture likely know that other religions are covenantal as well. In the Hebrew scriptures, Noah makes a covenant with God after the flood, and the sign of that covenant is the rainbow in the sky. Abraham makes a covenant with God. This is one of the big ones the one that results in the circumcision of the Jewish people, many laws to follow, the birth of generations, and so much more. There are lots of stories of covenant in the Bible, but there's a difference in what I mean when I say that Unitarian Universalism is a covenantal religion. That word, covenant, simply means agreement. So in and of itself, it tells you nothing about who that agreement is between, or what that agreement is. And this is where the difference comes in. Biblical covenants are between a people and God. God says, do this, and I will reward you. But our Unitarian Universalist covenants are not with any supernatural being. They are covenants between humans, agreements between humans with free will about how we want to behave with and around each other. The beginnings of this type of promise go back centuries, finding their roots in our early Protestant ancestors. The first parish in Dedham, Massachusetts, which eventually became a Unitarian Universalist congregation, in 1636 had this as its covenant. In the fear and reverence of our almighty God, we mutually and severally promise amongst ourselves and each to profess and practice one truth according to that most perfect rule, the foundation whereof is everlasting love. Nearly two centuries later, in 1842, the congregation that would become the UU Society of Geneva, Illinois, adopted this covenant. Being desirous of promoting practical goodness in the world and of aiding each other in our moral and religious improvement, we have associated ourselves together, not as agreeing in opinion, not as having attained universal truth in belief or perfection in character, but as seekers after truth and goodness. So those early covenants were promises to walk side by side, to seek after truth and goodness together, to associate with each other, to join together in purpose and pursuit. You'll note, of course, that the one from Dedham involved God, and the one from Geneva did not, two centuries later. In Geneva, that fear and reverence of God gets replaced by a shared mission, promoting practical goodness in the world. That was a development that happened over time. Our theological ancestors moved from making promises to each other that were held by God as the third party to making promises to each other that were held together by a shared vision. Covenants became, in time, the documents that assured members of liberal religious communities that they needn't agree about the nature of God or the afterlife, 
but they did need to agree about the foundational value of community and goodness and love. So covenants reflect our commitment to being not a religion of creed, but one of promise that shares ideas about how to center love and truth and goodness as we partner together on our journeys. These days, our covenants are much more explicit in their detail than those early Protestant ones were. We don't simply promise to walk together in truth and love. These days, we name behaviors and ways of interacting that will help us to embody those ideals as we seek to create a true world community. The reality is that covenants are really hard. I think I've shared with you before the Midrash, the Jewish commentary on the Abrahamic covenant that tells the story of God going around and around to different groups of people trying to get somebody to agree to the covenant. Everyone keeps refusing. Nation after nation refuses to accept the Torah and the laws, even though God is promising all sorts of benefit because the demands were too onerous and the perks were not good enough. Eventually, Abraham and his people accept, but it took so long because covenant is actually really challenging. A special arrangement based in mutual promises with a God isn't easy. And these days, our covenants aren't easy because they're made, not because they're made with an all-powerful deity, but because our explicit behavioral covenants don't let us off the hook. And this is the place where covenant is so very different from contract, which is how we usually think about agreements, right? Because the heart of a covenant isn't actually personal protection or benefit. The heart of a covenant is the creation of community. So with a contract, I agree to give you something in return for something else. Contracts are mutually beneficial arrangements that either of us can get out of or that either of us can choose not to fulfill if the other doesn't fulfill. So I agree to give you $50 for making me a desk. If you don't make the desk, I don't have to pay you $50. It's very simple. But covenants aren't about what we get in return. They're about the creation of relationship and about the building over time of a new way of being. And in fact, they also aren't made between individuals, right? They're made as a community. This means that the promises we make in a covenant are ours to keep as long as we intend to remain in community, as long as we share the vision of what the world can be, regardless of who else in the community steps out of covenant. Every Sunday we make time for quiet, aware that the world beyond these walls is often quite noisy. This time is for reflection and meditation, for prayer, however you need to use this time. It's a time that helps us deepen our connection to ourselves, to our community here, and to the world at large. So take a deep breath. Center your body. As you breathe in, try to quiet your mind. And as you breathe out, still your soul. Take deep and slow breaths.
this morning as we gather with hearts full of gratitude and love for our community. We think of all those around the world who suffer from its lack. We hold with love and care all those who are afraid, who face violence, who grieve, all those who are lonely or hurting, all those who have no community to turn to. As we move into silence, we each hold the worries and cares that weigh heavily on us. Our world will never be free from struggle. We humans will always know what it is to grieve and to hurt. But we know deeply that each of us can be part of making that struggle less. May we ever be part of communities that lessen the pain, relieve the hurt, connect the lonely, and hold us all. May we ever offer gratitude for the communities that help us on our struggle. And may this world and our own hearts come to know more peace. So may. So not counting this morning when you saw that it was on the insert, how many of you had read the covenant before? Many of you should have, because I made you read it out loud two years ago. Okay, so a handful, though. Our covenant was adopted quite a while ago and hasn't changed since, but covenants can be changed, just as missions can be changed, just as visions can be changed, as a community itself grows and changes. Every once in a while, a covenant indeed must be changed or at least reaffirmed. Lisa Ward writes this about covenants. A covenant is not a definition of a relationship. It is a framework for our relating. A covenant leaves room for chance and change. It is humble toward evolution. It claims, I will abide with you in this common endeavor, be present as best I can in our becoming. This calls for a level of trust, courage, and sacrifice that needs to be nurtured, renewed, and affirmed on a regular basis. So not enough hands went in the air for me to feel sure that we are nurturing, renewing, and affirming on a regular basis. So the Committee on Shared Ministry that I mentioned a few weeks ago as we introduced our new healthy communications model is a group of four people who, with me, largely focus on helping us keep the covenant and the mission of this congregation ever in our minds. That committee is, and I'm going to name them here, and if they're here, they should raise their hand and wave. That committee is Charlie Walter, right over there, Kathy Smolin, who is back there, Lois Parker Hennion, who I don't know if I saw this morning, and George Whitty, who's downstairs with the children. One way of understanding this group of four plus me is as keepers of the covenant. And so in that work, they have begun looking at our covenant, that one we just read, not necessarily to change it, 
but with the question alive in their minds, where do we actually stand with regard to our covenant? Is our covenant the living, understood, known framework for our interacting that it should be? Is our covenant humble toward evolution? Does it ask of us trust and courage and sacrifice? Does it leave room for chance and change? Does it speak to us, the people who now make up this community, encouraging us toward truth and goodness and love, helping us strengthen our bonds? Those are the questions the committee will be asking. When you were writing down your top idea for covenant, were those ideas reflected in the one that we already have? If yes, you can raise your hand if yes. So for some folks, yes. And for some folks, it was not there. Okay. Is anyone willing to share what they wrote? Out loud to us? Yeah, of course. Being open to hearing what we don't understand. Okay. Anyone else? Yeah, Jan. Care for each other. Ask for what is needed. Give each other help. Give what is needed. Ask for help. To allow yourself to be shown love by USR. Others? Yeah, Carol. Sharing resources, talents, joys, and sorrows. Adina. Nice. So do we self-reflect and ask ourselves if we're really living our values? Yeah. Mike. Welcome strangers. Mike. So working together despite not agreeing on all things, right? Sandra. Right, equally true inside the congregation and outside of it. Anyone else who wants to share? Sean. So practicing what you preach and only preaching what you practice. Yeah. Anyone else with a, yeah, Rick. So, that's right. So involve all ranges of abilities, folks with all ranges of abilities in the life not of the congregation. Right, not just accepting, Rick is saying, not just accepting, but actually embracing and involving and integrating. Yeah. Yep. Julie. Okay, so don't be afraid to share your joys and needs. Be present to each other with a willingness to care for each other. So we are going to collect these from you. Some of them were in the covenant, but others were not, and perhaps they should be, which is why we're going to collect them, so the Committee on Shared Ministry can look through all of them. For my part, I wish the piece in our covenant about forgiveness was stronger. So, <coughs> sorry. And I wish that there was a part about apology, because a covenant is designed not to let anyone off the hook, 
that means a covenant always has to have a way back into relationship. And I wish that ours were a little more robust. That's like my, what I would have written down on a card if I'd written it down. Because inevitably, we're all going to fail at covenant, right? We're humans. We're not perfect. We're going to misstep. Think back to the classroom, right? Think back to children in a classroom. Someone is going to interrupt. Someone's going to get a little rowdy when they should be listening. But they don't, well, sometimes they do get kicked out of the classroom, actually. But there is always a way to apologize, right? To be given forgiveness and to be welcomed back into the circle of belonging, right? To be welcomed back into the circle of learning and growth. Sometimes the missteps are so egregious or so repetitive and learning can't happen, or safety is truly at stake, and then something more has to be done. That's actually also part of the work of the Committee on Shared Ministry, helping to facilitate when covenant is truly broken. Covenants aren't infinitely stretchable, but they really do have a lot of give. That's part of their point. Covenants are our agreement about how we want to be together, how we will live and seek and question together, bound by a common purpose by our commitment to right living and truth and goodness and love to use the language of our ancestors. Covenants show our awareness that every now and then, those promises will be stretched to their limit, but the stretching doesn't allow others to give up and walk out. Covenants contain that roadmap for coming together again with apologies and ownership of our mistakes, with forgiveness and recommitment. They are what bind us and keep us at the table when we aren't bound by creed. Lisa Ward, in her reflection on covenant, goes on to say this, a creed creates a static truth, something that does not incorporate new insights and realities. A covenant is a dance of co-creation, keeping in step with one another in the flow of our lives. A creed seeks uniformity and a unison voice. A covenant seeks harmony and a shared voice. A creed creates an us and them. A covenant invites relationship. It invites relationship over and over and over again, ever deeper, ever more authentic, ever more kind relationship. The work isn't easy, but the work of creating and keeping covenant will connect us more deeply to ourselves, to each other, and to the wider world. And so we create and affirm and try again. I hope that you will take home that insert that has the covenant on it. And as you reflect more on it, please feel free to reach out to me or any member of the Committee on Shared Ministry to share thoughts or reactions to it. And I hope that you will remember that ours is a covenantal faith. Accepting covenant takes courage and sacrifice. Accepting covenant means committing to the community we are trying to build. Accepting covenant means adopting new behaviors that keep the community healthy. Accepting covenant requires privileging truth and goodness. Accepting covenant being, means being willing to grow and change, to learn and try over and over. Accepting covenant means showing up to do the work with others. Accepting covenant means answering the call to love. May we never forget that ours is a covenantal religion, bound not by creed but by common promise, with a shared vision of what the world can be. May we ever work hard to create that world.